You're listening to the Fox in the Phoenix podcast, understanding the feminine cross-dressing experience. I'm Savannah Hawk, dual gender male to female crossdresser, LGBTQ plus advocate, TEDx speaker, and author of the Living with Crossdressing book series. And I'm Julie Rubenstein, proud ally and co-founder of BoxandHanger.com, a feminine styling and life coaching service for cross-dressers and transgender women. Hey, Julie. Hi, Savannah. Oh, my God. We're still here. I know. And I'm still here, too. And I literally love my life. It's been flawless. Oh, oh my God. You're flawless. Oh. And you know who else is flawless? Who? Judy. <laughs> now, we know this is all about Judy. Everything's about Judy. We got questions for Judy. We do. And we, we spent a lot of time last episode talking to Judy, getting her perspective, saying what's up, what's up. Mm-hmm. So I think we need to go deep back into it quick to get our listeners back on the train. We'll see what else Judy's got to say. What do you think? I definitely agree. But Judy, are you ready? I am ready. All right. If that's If my ladies are ready, then I'm ready. The next for Judy says, did he go through periods of crisis? Did you go through mm-hmm. periods of crisis? Yeah, of course. You didn't dress for, I think, what, three or four months after we started dating? And you're waiting for me to read these books. And you kept asking, are you reading them? Are you reading them? Do you have any questions? And I was just like, I didn't know what to say, but I'm like, I don't know, you know. So you were worried that I was never going to come around and you even make comments like, oh, well, I'll just, I'll just throw everything out and mm-hmm. won't do it anymore. And I was like, no, you won't. <laughs> you know? And I'm like, yeah, you're right. I won't. She was a lot smarter yeah. than me on that. Front. And you were willing to do it for her. Yes. You had to. Yes. And that's the saddest thing on earth. Mm-hmm. Well, it's two things, right? How many of our. Well-intentioned. Well-intentioned. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I was wanting to do. I was well-intentioning because of my love for her to purge. And it wasn't an ultimatum purge. It was me offering, but it also you was out of fear. yourself. But it was also out of fear. Yeah, it was sacrificing, but out of fear of her eventual rejection that I'm going to dip this in the bud and say, no, I'll get rid of everything just so you love I me. I would have never yeah. been on board with that because I don't believe that you would have stuck with it. I think it would have come back. And I wouldn't have stayed with you because I knew it would come back. And then I would be hurt even more. Like just a vicious cycle. Or a year or something. I didn't want to all of a sudden. It was the same worry I had with the transitioning thing where you said you weren't going to. And I'm like, yeah, but I read in this book, you know, that just had to develop over time also that I learned to trust and observed and form my own opinion based on reality versus talk. Talk is cheap. Talk is free, actually. Um, Okay, next. Judy, Mm -hmm. did you see him differently as a man? It's a man, baby. I don't think so. It didn't change your opinion of... I say, hey, I have a femicide. No, I don't think so. I don't... Impressive. I would say so. I mean, I was embarrassed about that part of you in the beginning. Okay. But... I still was very proud to be with you and proud of you. Otherwise. My maleness. Yeah. Okay. Didn't make you any less of a man because you found out that you were less of a man. 
Right. Oh, that's a t-shirt. Well, I mean, okay. it came to me fairly early that you would not be the person you were if you didn't have the Savannah side of you in your brain. You would not process things. You would not talk. You would not act. You would not be you. So it was you either got to accept both or get nothing, you know? No. Yeah. I mean, you were in plenty of relationships that were toxic masculinity laden, mm-hmm. I'm sure, without giving anything away. Mm-hmm. I definitely was different than a other people you had been with. And you said that in the beginning too. Oh, you've never dated anyone like me before. And I'm like, <laughs> oh yeah, the check's in the mail. I've heard that yeah, many times. Just, just wait till you hit, you put your I'm fist to the wall that first I'm time. I'm different. I'm different. You know? what, yeah, when we're talking about something like that. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like, I can't even fathom some of the stories she's told me uh, mm-hmm. from previous, which ironically... I know we probably talked about this before too on a different episode, but there was a time when this big bruisery, muscle-laden, steroid-using guy came to our door while we lived in an apartment upstairs in a house. He's like knocking on a door as I go downstairs. And I had made the mistake of parking in front of his house. Yeah. And and he had said, he give me, he gave there. me one warning. He's like, hey, I would appreciate you not parking from my house. My wife's pregnant. All right, fine. But there was no fucking place to park. And that just was my last resort. I parked there. And so he came down, opened the door. This guy is huge, huge. And he had a bodyguard with him. And he had some other guy with arms folded at the Mm -hmm. curb. And he's like, just lays into me. Judy, I think, had either was was on the stairs stairs, at the beginning, or I think you had come down and said, what the fuck's going on out here? And he just lambasted me. And I'm like, fine, I'll move the car. I'll move the car. Fine, I'll move the car. And he's just like, rah, 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 you don't fucking do. Blah, 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 blah. And yeah, my just yeah, heart race, hearts sorry. racing by yeah, demeanor of calmness. I'm like, all right, fine, don't worry about it. And he's like, all right, and he storms off. And I go move the car, and I moved it to another block, like way off of where we were, just so I could get it done, yeah. do my diligence. Yeah. And I left that experience thinking that Judy thought less of me as a man because. I didn't like raise up to this man's yeah. t- the yeah, masculinity. Yeah, yeah. And meanwhile, I was proud of you for not taking his bait and for remaining calm and defusing the situation. So, yeah, but just think about like, I felt less of a man oh for not being like, yeah, well, fuck you too. And like all mm-hmm. up in his grill. And it just was not my way. It is not I my way. I probably would have gotten up in his grill. <laughs> <laughs> you definitely it's a would. free street, damn it. I can park where I want. You would have been like chest to chest. Well, yeah. fuck you. <laughs> you definitely would be the more masculine in that way. But I felt- Born and raised New York. That's right. (laughs) That's why this works, people. Take notes. (laughs) So it was very, but I was very much self-conscious of how she might perceive me for for not being the man. The story you tell, Mm -hmm. you told yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And she says, like I said, and I said, I really felt like I failed you and that you might see me as less than. He's like, no, absolutely not. It was a wild moment to be like, oh shit. So- she is, has embraced and does love this more sensitive, de- diffusing, not toxic masculine entity that I am. Diplomatic. Diplomatic, trying to like be empathetic and with your heart, basically. Which yeah. I think for many men who are conditioned to do otherwise and to use their brain as the leader and founder of the Church of Latter day Saints. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it, it was just an amazing moment. 
it was an amazing moment to get that validation in that way that was not Savannah centric, was about just like me as a person centric and say, no, I appreciate that you were that way and not just a big jughead about it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So thank you for that. Mm-hmm. All right. Hey, uh, <laughs> next for Judy. This is for Judy. Next for Judy. All about me today. <laughs> it's all about you. Was this, meaning moi, the first person you'd ever been involved with that's a crossdresser? 1,000% yes, except for one time where my ex-husband decided to surprise me on Halloween. I came home from work, and there he was in my red bra, panties, corset, and stockings. Foreshadowing. (laughs) All shaved from stem to stern, and hey, I'm like, and I said, went into the bedroom. I says, I'm leaving until you change out of that. Oh, my gosh. The trauma is real. I had no idea. And I told chuck that story on the phone before i knew about savannah wow i why why you know that isn't an indicator you're like okay cross off the date of the calendar let's wait a couple more weeks (laughs) it was well two questions right you said why did you share that yeah right that's the first thing just like why did i tell this guy that i just met we're just chatting away on message like hey by the way i i I knew this thing was Miss Galeo. Yeah. Because he's going to say this one thing, man. Because <laughs> I definitely did not lead you into that story. No. no. So that was then. But to your point, Joey, I was like, okay, with that reaction there, probably not indicative of how it's going to turn out for me. But yeah, I was like, ironically, once and only experience other than mm-hmm. maybe a real Halloween party where you saw there was an apartment. old picture of my father dressed up as a woman on a, on a as a joke with his finger and his or was it foreshadowing <laughs> who knows who knows you know oh my he's God. been gone for 35 years my so. dad would make a good dresser he just has that sense he has that sense of chipping. Ooh, there you go and sometimes that's all you need. Hear me. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just ask this next one. What is your background? This basically, were you raised in a conservative environment? I know you came from New York. I know you're born and bred in New York, already liberal-ish. I was raised by a European family that parents that came off the boat like four years or three years before I was born new to the country and just menial labor and making ends meet and more of the old-fashioned ways and we still we struggle that with that even now because i feel like i'm i should be making dinner i should have it ready when he comes home and all of this and he's like i don't expect you to cook you know (laughs) but it's just it's how i was raised so my background is went to catholic school and hated it and typical rebellious teenage life but not, nothing in the community, no no exposure to any of that. None of my friends were gay. But you didn't have any, unlike me, who had parents who were very anti-gay and were easy enough to, like, very open about talking about that, which led me to retreat from those conversations. Did they you have that they as parents? They weren't really bigoted or okay. racist or anything like that. They were pretty open to anybody as far as that. I don't know how they would have felt about somebody that was gay or transgender. That I don't know. But they didn't have hate speech about it. No, no, no. All right. 
So that probably helps because obviously if you're indoctrinated with a lot of anti, mm-hmm. you probably wouldn't uh, be sitting here today. Mm-hmm. The next, Judy, here's a question for you. <laughs> How do you both present in public? And by that, they are asking, go out to dinner, be in public, private parties, grocery shop together. Well, first of all, I hate grocery shopping and we rarely do it together anymore. <laughs> and we had just talked about the three of us going to the yeah, Mexican restaurant dinner yesterday. because I was all dressed up for a podcast appearance. And I spent all that time looking pretty. And these two lovely ladies, Julie and Judy, said, oh, how about Mexican? And we'll go to this restaurant we like to go to. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yes, Savannah. Oh. And I just was tickled because I don't know if other cross-dressers are like this, but if you put the kind of work into it, it really does seem like a shame to me. It's like, well, I spent two hours getting ready for a one-hour podcast and parents. No, I guess I'll just take it all off. So you going to dinner with Savannah was just icing on the cake to make me feel like it was worth it. Yeah. In the beginning, it was hard for me. I was self-conscious and always looking around at who was looking at us and everything. But over time, I got more comfortable and more comfortable in how I felt about everything. And I didn't bat an eye. It was my idea to go to Mexican. Oh, was it? Okay. I didn't bat an eye or even think twice. Like, oh, shit, he's still Savannah. <laughs> you know, it didn't occur to me. It's like, oh, yeah, that's right. He's Savannah. All right. Well, we whatever. didn't get pictures, though. No. We will. We will. Question, because we had gone to a gala event mm-hmm. years ago yes. when we first started. Mm-hmm. And we had gone into the bar, like the night we got there, I got all dressed up. We were supposed mm-hmm. to meet friends. And or maybe the first or second night, I don't remember. And your head was on a swivel, like you were clocking every possible threat that was out there. Mm-hmm. Do you still do that? Do you still have high alert uh, threats for me on my behalf? I don't think I have conscious high alert, but I probably subconsciously still just scan around a little bit because I'm very protective of people that I love. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But I know you were like crazy high alert. You pointed that person out to me and said, that guy's staring at you. I think we should go or do something about it. Well, we went to that other Jamaican or Mexican restaurant, whatever it was, with the group for dinner. I was like, the waiter's looking. They're looking mm. at me, you know, or looking because we were with a group of cross-dressers. That's when the birthday. Uh Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there was other people, other tables that seemed a little sus. And we don't know if it's because we were being boisterous and being a a little loud and crazy or if it's because we were several cross-dressing people yeah yeah but uh, yeah same you notice the issue with a bill being presented to you versus me which is like a completely opposite Mm -hmm. of like yeah i think they give it to me because they didn't realize you were a dude Mm -hmm. but yeah my voice is with a voice a lot of women with deep voices yeah true true but it just always surprises me that could be a possibility Mm -hmm. that like oh yeah they gave it to her because she's the one who asked for the table so she seemed like the ringleader versus this girl who I know is a guy must begin to check because the man pays. Just like me at Keystone and people are surprised that I was actually a woman, that I like was a biological That was a tough nut to you swallow. <laughs> well, let's, let's, uh, that's not a question, but let's talk about that real quick because I know we haven't really spoken about that. It was it was devastating to me. You You would think that I obviously am a woman, I have a slighter frame and a biological. She's got curves, y'all. Curves, She's got curves. Curves in all the right places. Mm-hmm. Don't and get me wrong. I just assumed that trans people recognize each other and would notice that I am not trans. And twice during that weekend that we were there, 
people, oh, oh, you're not a man? You weren't a man? You know, transform? No. God damn it. I want to go. I know. It was. Well, the person that I walk with in the morning, she's told me several times, people think you're trans. Just because I'm on Facebook, I'm very like open with the fox and hanger and this and that. And I don't know that people think that. I don't know either way. But it's in, it's an interesting concept for me that she would even think that anyone would think that. Or that she said, or that Scott's a cross-dresser. Mm-hmm. And that makes sense to me because what is my story that counts up the dots to how I got here to this calling to this beautiful professional way of showing up in the world? Right. So, but to Judy's point, I would be... I don't know how I would be. I don't know how I'd be if someone just yeah. assumed you were trans because of where you were. And the case of the matter is like, they're allies, but do you know what I mean? Like, well, one was drunken. To, yeah. One was a drunken, like, hey, where'd you get those? But my one was a drunken fool in a hot tub. Right. That one I discounted as just stupidity on several levels. And the other one was talking to me in the bar when we were waiting for the bus for like half an hour. Yeah. Oh, that's the one. Was that the one we went to the casino? Yeah. Yeah. And now the only thing I can say, in any defense, it's two things. One, Judy is tall, mm-hmm. so but slight of frame. So in and of itself, tallness should not dictate feminine or masculine. And then two, we're at a trans conference. Mm-hmm. So again, people just start like trans equals blah. So therefore, they make assumptions. And again, just as stupidly as everybody out in the world makes assumptions about how I mean, I could also there. say some of the trans people I saw there, there's no way in the world. I mean, there was one at that same hot tub that you're like, they're trans right now. Can't be. No way. They're gorgeous. What the? Oh, was that the blonde? Yes. Uh, <laughs> she was Swedish oh my and blonde God. I was and like, gorgeous. No way is that. that but that, that just shows that you can't tell. Yeah. Oh. No one can tell. It didn't and it's- really helped my feelings. But- <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, that's the thing. Like, you cannot tell. And I used to be one of those people, I'll admit, that thought that I could tell. Mm-hmm. No, I just know because I felt so deeply connected. No, there's no way of telling. You don't know. It's a human. It, outness or passability or what society deems as normal can be easier or harder for passing, depending on when, if you go on hormones, when, what age you're at, facial hair, like just so so many genetics. factors. Body. Yeah. Genetics. Yeah. You're testosterone to your there's just so many qualities to it so i think nowadays through the worlds that we've created through fox and the phoenix and fox and hanger i really look at the world through a trans lens where i assume more people are trans than not these Mm -hmm. days like we went to cracker barrel today and we saw somebody in the gift shop who seemed gay yeah, but that was our assumption. Yeah, mm-hmm. there was nothing else to indicate gayness other than being like, "Hello, very flamboyant." Very flamboyant right. But he could just been a natural showman, mm-hmm. right? And then the person who was checking us in to get a reservation right. seemed trans or non-binary in some way. Again, I asked you, <laughs> Julia, was that person trans? It was like we again we assumed. I didn't see it at all. So in her, I mean, in the, the guy in the shop, yes. Yeah. So again, we even you, all of us together, who are working on us every day, are constantly. Yeah, we might have clocked it easier because we know all the minutia, but we're still making assumptions about mm-hmm. who we're meeting and why. And unless you're going to say, "Are you trans? Are you gay?" which mm-hmm. is completely inappropriate. Why? Why do we care? Number one, it was more of like our curiosity than anything else of these people. But I think for me, I was like, "Oh, look." 
this person who appears gay in South Carolina, go you, awesome solidarity. This amazing, very feminine person was living life and being front and center, taking a reservation for everybody coming in. I was like, go you if you're and like giving us little pep talks to keep us happy while we were waiting. Oh, don't worry. They'll get you in quicker. Yeah. You know? But yeah, but even that woman or assuming yeah. again, the person, very feminine person, long dreads, had eyeliner on, very petite frame, mm-hmm. not a lot of curves, but still had beautiful nails. I took it all in once I clocked that she was supposed to be the person I was supposed to check in with. Mm-hmm. Again, just representing. Just even if the person is not non-binary, just representation of anybody. I think it's like you said, we're in the world every day, 24-7. Right. And you don't know. It could be a masculine looking female that mm-hmm. it, like it trans is humanity. It's human based. Yes. And so we want to put as human beings, we want to put things into containers and we want to feel like we got you. We see you. We love mm-hmm. you. When really they're just a female living their life, however, whatever part they have or don't have, and however they came into this world. And also, I don't think that I could identify a trans person anymore because of the work that I do, but I do think a trans person has more likely some shared energy to be able to identify members of the community, I yeah. think. Yeah, and I feel bad because I really should have. We both, I think we all kind of registered and acknowledged the person who came around at the gift shop and actually checked us out and mm-hmm. we paid. I really feel bad that I missed the opportunity to make some sort of positive comment to the person who checked us in, mm-hmm. whether about the nails or the nice, really primo eyeliner. Probably should have said something just to acknowledge their existence and effort. Mm-hmm. And not to say like, oh, you're trans, right? Not to say anything like that, but just to validate in some way. And I feel bad that I missed an opportunity. But again, where I was another day, we can always try again. Mm-hmm. So moving forward. Oh, look at this. Another question for Judy. Uh, how did Savannah tell you and how was it done? I think we covered this in the first episode and also in the book. You need to buy the book. Oh, snap. Oh, yes. Yeah, my my story is in the book. Available uh, at Amazon. uh, We were co-workers and the first time we saw each other outside of work and started to get a little intimate, uh, stopped and said we need to talk. And we sat on the couch and he flipped through his phone to find the most perfect picture of Savannah he could find and showed it to me. And I said... Yeah, you know, you dressed up like that for Halloween. You said, no, that's who I am. And uh, my, this is me. (laughs) (laughs) And my jaw just dropped. And and, 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 yeah, I had no words. He's asking me anything. I don't know. know. Then he started answering the usual (laughs) questions. And I just, I was a hot mess the whole rest of the night. And I would say, we will leave the rest for people who want to read our stories in the books. But I will say... It was, it was not. Shocked. It was not yeah. a good reaction. I wasn't prepared to continue the relationship. He was determined to keep the relationship, and I said I wanted to just be friends. You had a plan. He Savannah just had a plan. was like, "Nope, that ain't happening." <laughs> I was just reacting and trying to be my best self. I guess. Yeah, I'm gonna show you that I am not what you think. And I said, "I don't even know what I think." But <laughs> <laughs> well, you had plans that evening, so you had time to. Yeah, he yeah. Had, for, he had an engagement that he for the worst. Which was probably the worst thing ever, not just because I left for the previously established engagement, but the fact that the person she turned to, now that we're in full circle about people that to talk to, yeah. she told her best friend, 
that her best friend had been in a relationship with a fetish cross-dresser who was really more for like the sexual gratification part of it. That relationship was codependent. It had some other failings to it. Yes. And her thing was like, you got to get away from this person as quickly as possible. Sick. Pervert. He's no good. This is the same one who later on Uh, told Judy that I'm a pedophile. uh, Yeah. So again, read the book. It's all in there. But yeah, just just scary. So it was rough. It was definitely very rough. Yeah, it's very hard. So yeah, but yeah. But let's keep it on a beat. Yeah, and they're all, you're on the other side of it. We are. Mm-hmm. We are. So, yeah. Again, we're still working. Every day is a work in progress. Okay. Let's see. Questions, questions. Oh, another one for Judy. Energy. Energy. <laughs> Do you ever go out with Savannah while she's in Savannah mode? And if so, are you comfortable doing this? I think we, we just we just that. Yes. that. So we're good. Okay. Here's another one. Is your take on cross-dressing transgenderism any different today than when you first learned that Chuck occasionally enjoys expressing this fan part of himself? I did not have an opinion of cross-dressers when I first found out about you because I never really knew that they existed as a culture, just as performance art. So I did not have an opinion. And the books that I was looking at led me to not great opinions. Even now, if I try and look on the internet, mostly you get directed to porn sites or erotica erotica and that type of stuff. So it's still hard to find validation. There are men out there that can dress as women just because it's a part of their persona and not because it's a kink or a fetish. Not that there's something wrong with being fetishy. I think I understand the motivation why a man would want to dress as a woman and present that way. And because it's who they are and they feel that need and so that I understand that desire and I just have to make the rest work. And sometimes it's a little awkward and sometimes it's not. It depends on my state of mind on any given day, how well I accept or don't accept. I still won't kiss Savannah on the lips because I just, mm. something about lipstick. I don't know. I yeah. can't do it. He's, she says, oh, I bought this. It's 24-hour <laughs> lipstick. It looks, no, doesn't come off. Yeah, no I'm like, I don't care. Right. I can't do it. It's yeah. a boundary. It's, it's, yeah. right. it's real and mm-hmm. it's valid and it's, yeah. I mean, it's a visceral response. Yeah. But I know it's hard. This episode was not going to be, what I'm going to say is not on brand with what we're trying to force this episode, mm-hmm. but- the truth is, oh, thank God I forgot what I was going to say. Yes. <laughs> Next about, question. About all that. All right, then. <laughs> I will say that I appreciate your saying there's nothing wrong with kink and fetish mm-hmm. because we're also trying to promote, just in general, that because something's called a fetish or a kink does not make it a bad thing. Right. Now, there's plenty what of fetish. In your own home is your own business. Even out in public, whatever it might be, is again, certain things. There are people who might dress. I see many people on Facebook and Instagram who go out to grocery shop in a very Lolita sissy outfit with their little frills and everything, and they're out there just doing their thing. Is that bad? It's not what I would do. It makes me uncomfortable. And it a may make you uncomfortable. latex leather suit, like latex over the face. <laughs> I've seen that on the I've seen that too. I'll even say that in my workshop at Keystone, there was one individual who wore a mask like the yeah. full on mask. Mm-hmm. And I speaking to my friends from the VA and cause they were up afterwards and this individual came up, was talking about it. I wanted to get a book. And so at dinner I was sharing, it's like, Oh, did you see the person who was masking? 
They're like, what? Who? Huh? I didn't see that. What are you talking about? It's like, that seems weird. It makes me very uncomfortable. And so we started talking about why somebody may mask. And there's reasons like burn victims may wear a mask. There are people who can't really shave in their prideful life. So this is a way to look feminine without having to do that, without shaving. Feeling very insecure about their male face and thinking and believing that the latex will make them have that feminine appearance. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, you might just see like a person with a mask and you're looking through the eye holes kind of thing. And it may be very off-putting, but yeah, yeah, and you may call it fetish. Mm -hmm. But for that person's life, it's very normal. That's how they express. So I'm always going to be about educating even to that end, because again, how many people think cross-dressing and gender is a fetish? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's not. The only time it becomes a fetish medically is when it impacts your daily life to such a degree that you can't operate in society, whether your career, your personal life, your relationships. That's when a fetish is a fetish, when it or actually addiction. takes or addiction, obsession. But like somebody who's doing that, it's seen as a fetish, but it's just like I said, how they operate in the world. And how, but how to get, when I think of fetish, it's like how to get your charge how to get the maximum amount of pleasure from an experience but even in a sexualized way. Ironically, I don't even see that as bad because- I don't either. Because again, people come to sexuality in such a different ways of what gets them to that point of ultimate pleasure could be different. Everything is not vanilla. Everything is not missionary. There's flavors to everything. So Mm -hmm. in that way, even people have foot fetishes. So, oh my God, how can anybody, that's disgusting. I'm like, well, why don't they call it boob fetishes? That seems to be okay part of the body. Or I can have a fetish with this microphone. It's so slender, yet there's a tip. <laughs> okay, next question. <laughs> hey, here's another question for Judy. Wrapping this up. Yeah. I think we've been going too long. That's what she said. Mm-hmm. All right. This is going to be the closer. It's also for Judy. So how do we, as cis female <laughs> partners, how do we as cis female partners not let their cross-dressing take over our identity? Context. Ever since I found out his stash, it's been all we talk about daily. Maybe it's excitement after 26 years, 22 married, and this shall become everyday normal with a dress-up day thrown in a couple times a month. So question again, how do we as cis female partners not let our cross-dressing partners, let that talk take over their identity and every day is about cross-dressing? Right. That's what I was afraid of when we first got together. That you were going to be raiding my closet when I wasn't home and you were going to want to dress all the time and that this was something that you did like... 50-50 or 75-25 that you only became Chuck when you went to work and you came home and that was it. You had to change And because I read stories like that in the books. Stupid books. Yeah, so it was unnerving to me to understand what was going to happen. And you used to go to those private parties and stuff like that. And then it fell into a routine after several years when we moved down here. Then it became more of a do it for Sundays and if I have any other appearances. And you're content with that because you know you have that day to look forward to no matter what happens. You always have that day. So that gives you comfort that you know that you're not going to be neglecting Savannah or I'm going to be boycotting her or anything like that. You've got your time. And uh, (laughs) Sorry, I thought that would help. He turned on the light and blinded me. So it's just, it's a matter of finding your routine, finding your rhythm. It's just something that you work on 
or discuss. Yeah. How often do you feel like you need to wear a feminine attire? What does your life as Savannah or fill in the blank name look like to you? What do you envision? And let's see what I envision and maybe we can sort of meet in the middle. You have to have discussions. And it's ever changing. So once one boundary is in place and you're comfortable with something, something completely shifts that. And on a certain day, like you brought up earlier in the podcast, it depends on your mindset and how you're feeling. Yeah. So things can be comfortable and comfortable. And then, or there could be a boundary set like the panties and you could be specific to this boundary. I need them to be this color, this color, this color. They need to look like this. And then after it's been that way for a while, what happens, Savannah? You decided that this, I'm I don't know, I'm a little bell. And, and then a different pair and see how I react or if I react. I don't even know if it was that conscious, honestly. But yeah, it just morphed. Well, it's a choice. Organically in some way. I had stuff in my, it wasn't like it, I didn't have any other underwear. Basically, I just started putting things into rotation and they were accepted or not talked about. Or we didn't have enough conversation about it, honestly. We probably should have. It's like, how do you feel about it? We didn't really do that early on. Mm-hmm. How are we feeling? How are we sitting in our space right now? Yeah. Maybe, maybe not. I mean, well, it could be because you could have been like, no, and that would have been hurtful and I would have retreated and felt like unseen, unbelted. Yeah, you're right. right. So sometimes just testing the waters may be good enough that fosters a conversation. Maybe not. I don't know. That being said, we've talked about this in passing as well, is that it was always Savannah, Savannah, Savannah. Everything that's happening is Savannah. I, mm-hmm. you know, I talk about work. You don't have anything to say about work. It's like, your work is work. It's like, I went to work, I went to meetings. I talked to Julie. I had lunch. I came home. All right, let's talk about what you're doing. But anything that's of note, anything that's like interesting is always Savannah, mm-hmm. right? And that's what we're working through now in therapy is, I, and again, I, I'm not going to speak for you, but I'll just say it, you, I think you have a fear that like, Savannah's always got this very celebrity, everything's all glitzy and glamorous over here in Savannah world, but then Chuck's like, whereas I don't feel that way. I think Chuck's amazing. And to this point of this question, all we do is talk about cross-dressing 24-7. Geez, when are we going to get back to normal? Say, you did the reveal, now I just want to go back to normal life. It's like, when is this whole like pink cloud, pink fog, every second being about cross-dressing, when is that going to end? So I think that's the question too, is I know it's excitement. I'm pretty sure anybody who has a reveal who feels accepted, there's going to be this level of, oh my God, I'm so excited. Blah, let me <laughs> tell you everything all the time and all like my feelings. Like showing me your closet. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that closet, everybody listening was like 75% Savannah, 25% Chuck. And that was very overwhelming for Judy upon first, <laughs> about first impression. Mm-hmm. So in a healthy relationship, I feel that cross-dressing has every right to be part of the conversation, mm-hmm. but it should not be the entirety of your conversations right. because you have a much richer, bigger life than just your feminine side, especially if it is part of your whole. And then it should if be. the woman fell in love with the male, then they got, they learned that this was not a two-person relationship. Mm-hmm. So it's rough. Finding that balance is important. Yes. So that you know what to expect. And they also have with within Savannah and same within Chuck, within you, within me, within everyone is this little inner child 
that has not gotten a chance to shine or be validated. So much of what I think of when I think of a, like a powerful tribe of significant others, I think about the fact that it's almost like that feeling of like never being able to win because it feels like you also have to validate the inner little Savannah in the relationship. It can get very crowded, I would think, in terms of how to meet a situation that is deeply sensitive, deeply personal, and how to get the sense that your feelings are being validated and met in the face of such sensitivity. Having your person be the only person that you review this with, and half the time you're closeted because you don't want to make any bold statements. Yeah, and and my bad mood, and then I just not in the mood to deal with it, you know, and I don't want to hurt your feelings, but you're just gushing. I'm like, stop, just stop. You know, I can be a lot, people. I can be quite intense and a lot, and but that's me. That's just who I am, and I am very. Yeah, and I am very, very sensitive for good or bad. Um, some of it's trauma-based, as we know, that I will be invalidation is very quick to set in if I feel it or hear it from especially somebody, Judy, that I love. Mm-hmm. I, you know, that's more heart-wrenching than if a stranger came up to me and said, You're a guy in a dress. Well, that's fine for you. I don't know you, but if Judy were to say something even a tenth of that intensity, it would be 50 times more heart-wrenching. Mm-hmm. So it's, it is deeply personal and it is my life and my entity of who I am. So rejection is, yeah, it's tough. It's it tough. just has to go both ways though, because while the woman has to sacrifice and learn about this whole new culture, group of people and way of living, the cross-dresser also has to be patient and understanding that They've had this their whole life and they're comfortable with it, but they're dumping this on somebody that knows nothing about it. And you can't expect the significant other to just all of a sudden be, oh, okay, cool. Business as usual. And expect the kind of unconditional love that one should have in a partnership. It just seems so basic. It seems like a basic need of the relationship of a partnership for so long, but like it's more complicated than that. And that must be very hard when you're like, I'm in love with this person, but there's a part of their being, a very important, very cherished part that I'm grappling with Mm -hmm. by myself. Mm -hmm. I have no one to talk with about this because currently what they're offering is making it A, worse, or B, it's making me feel like I want out now. It's very much as much internal personal journey as it is for you, as it is for you, Judy, Mm -hmm. because you're coming up against some morals, some ethics, some values, some rooted prejudice. And it's, it shouldn't be this hard to love someone who you love. It, it, It shouldn't be this way, but it is. And it's real and it's unfortunate because there is nothing about you and your being Savannah that's unlovable. Nothing. But yet, if I have a hard time on any given day with Savannah, it breaks his heart because I'm rejecting him because she's a part of him. So it's very hard. Even this Q&A I was worried about because sensitivity. Yes. Yes. I'm going to unhurt him all over the place. (laughs) I know. And I'm glad that we can almost make an agreement right now, like with our audience present that 
the space and container that we've created for this episode is safe and loving and open so that when this podcast comes to a close, which I'm trying my best, maybe this will be my wrapping it all in a bow statement, but know that when the end, the podcast finished in a couple moments that we will feel stronger and more loving towards each other and more understood and fulfilled. There won't be any tension because we've cleared it. We've brought you all along this journey of having these clearing conversations. And we hope that you're able to listen to this episode with your significant others and have the same experience we're going to have when it's over. And that's unconditional acceptance, love, and just a tenderness for something that is significant others. We can't wholeheartedly understand and vice versa. Agreed. And I will say thank you, Judy, for coming on again and being vulnerable because I think it's important for the significant others to know that they're to accept the fact, accept their vulnerability, that Mm -hmm. it doesn't make them a bad person because they're questioning everything. And they have every right, especially if they're not in the community, in the queerness of it all. Mm -hmm. Thank you. And thank you so much for being vulnerable with us and coming on the show. Because I know, like you said, it's you weren't sure how it's going to go and how it's going to take you. But typically, if I'm prepared, I'm a little better off. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you for both of my J's. Yeah. Uh, you yeah. Amazing to just sit across the table from you and just see <laughs> you holding hand and yeah. hugging and being yeah. just having the camaraderie with me today. And just thank you for all those words and just things that I didn't think about, mm-hmm. you know, even at dinner thinking, wow, I didn't think that at all. So just a perspective, again, for cross-dressing men, a perspective sometimes comes from without, not from within. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you have to hear that and be like, oh shit, I didn't think about that right. before. Yeah. And that is what Julie and I do all the time is trying to just raise questions and like, huh, I didn't think about that before. Let me think about how that pertains to me. Right. So in closing, I think Julie should take us out. All right. From the walls of Savannah's office, coming to you live. Well, not live. We out. <laughs> from the walls of Savannah's office to the very conservative <laughs> <laughs> nature of this good, great land. Bye for now. Until next time. Bye. Ah. You can find me on Facebook at Savannah Hawk or at Living With Crossdressing and on Instagram at Savannah Hawk. Remember, that's H-A-U-K. And to learn more, go to my website, livingwithcrossdressing.com. And you can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Fox and Hanger or at Julie MTF Style, as well as on our website at foxandhanger.com. Julie, it's your moment. <gasps> the Fox and the Phoenix podcast uses Anchor Copyright 2023. Yes, nailed it. If you enjoy our content and want to make it easier for others to find us, please share with your friends, tap the subscribe or follow button to the show wherever you're listening, give it a five-star rating, or leave a review. And for show ideas or comments, contact us through the podcast on Facebook at Fox and Phoenix Podcast or on Instagram at the Fox and the Phoenix Podcast underscore.